Hello, wherever you are in the world today, welcome to Beyond the Art in our series, The Stories That Carry Us. I'm your host, Craig Bermont Flynn, a citizen of the Cherokee Nation and the Delaware Tribe of Indians. In each episode, we will discuss with various Native American artists, influencers, art leaders, and everyone in between their experiences, the communities they serve, and the translation and interpretation of the Native American art world today. Hey, great to be here. I'm Nakona Burgess. I originate from the great state of Oklahoma. Um, I grew up all around the country. Instead of being a, um, an army brat, I was kind of an educational brat. My dad has multiple degrees and my mom. And so whenever they got a new degree, they went to find pursuit. So I've lived everywhere from Pennsylvania, Arizona, Poplar, Montana on the uh, Assiniboine Sioux Reservation and everywhere in between. So, so I got to get a good look around the country and travel uh, Indian country a lot. So I, I really got to know uh, different aspects from different tribes and, and, and things like that. And so, um, yeah, that's what I do. I just, um, I kind of try to tell a story. I use old photographs as references, not always, but you know, for the most part. Um, so yeah, I just paint, paint my brains out. That's all I do is paint every, I've been asked if I do other, other things. I was at a show in um, Odessa, Texas, and I was doing a presentation and people kept asking, do I do other stuff? Do I sculpt? And I said, no, nah. I said, I'm a one trick pony. And this little old man, this little old cowboy stood up and said, hey, Hoss, it's OK to be a one trick pony if it's a really good trick. So I, I just kind of <laughs> go with that. <laughs> so what got you started painting? What really inspired uh, just you? always so, done it. I'm going to be a painter. Yeah, yeah. I've always done it. You know, I've always been around art as a kid. Uh, my dad, you know, is an artist and but he kind of pursued more the administrative side, you know, teaching and being an administrator. But I've just always been around it. You know, growing up in Oklahoma, you see Woody Crumbo and Doc Tate Nebacoya, uh, Rance Hood and all those guys, you know, and growing up, knowing them and seeing them, you know, be artists. I never I never really thought about it. I, I went to architecture school at the University of Oklahoma. And so, you know, at 18, you're kind of going, oh, who's an artist or, you know, do, do you want to struggle and kind of grind it out like that? And, you know, the answer was no at that time. And um, but I've always done it. You know, I always tell people, I said, I've always painted and drew and stuff long before I've ever sold them. You know, so this just kind of that was kind of the first step. And then I came out here one summer uh, while I was at OU and just, you know, kind of never looked back. I actually saw it in action here, you know, saw people like Tony Abeda and, um, Darren V. Hill, you know, painting and making career with these young native artists. So it kind of planted a seed. So when you started that path and saying, okay, I'm going to be a full-time artist and go with this craft, what, it, what made you to say, okay, I'm going to be a native American artist versus a general artist? Yeah. I, I just never really think about it. You know, I mean, I, you know? I paint stuff like I kind of joke that, you know, um, I was at a show in Scottsdale last week and people, oh, you paint this and paint that. And I was kind of joking. I said, well, I, I've painted white people and black people, too. You know, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of bring it, you know, what what the venue is. I mean, I, I'm a, a, a reader and I read everything. And, you know, the majority of it is native history and native books and things like that. But I read everything and I just have interest in stuff. And, you know, I, I know what my market is. But I do paint stuff. You know, I, I was looking at Jimi Hendrix pictures last night going, oh, man, these would make some cool paintings. And um, but, yeah, you know, I don't really worry about it, the labels and stuff. I mean, I've been asked, oh, do you ever think about crossing over? You know, would that be great? Blah, blah, blah for your career. And, you know, those aren't the things that kind of get in my brain. I just kind of roll in, you know, turn on some music, you know, get some Coke Zero, sunflower seeds and get rolling. And whatever kind of <laughs> pops in my head, I don't have notebooks or sketch pads. I just kind of go. So that was going to be my uh, question. Do you have a process? Do you actually draw something out? Do you extract from your mind, from a dream and say, okay, this is what I'm thinking. This is a, a story I want to tell and then go to the canvas or you just go to the canvas and start creating? Yeah, I just go to the canvas. I mean, I like I said, I use historical uh, photographs as uh, references. And so I'm always reading books and reading, you know, I think what started was the time life books that my grandfather had given me. You, you remember the ones that have like I the writers, the great chiefs. Yeah. You know, I, I read those things from cover to cover and about 10 years ago at a flea market, I found the full set 
And I think it's just that, you know, I think it was kind of curiosity, like you've always seen them in black and white, you know, so I just use that. And, and I use like to this day, I just kind of draw directly on the canvas. I don't necessarily sketch it all out. I use a little bit of charcoal, mm -hmm. but I kind of draw straight on the canvas and kind of go from there. And um, yeah, like I said, I, don't, I just it's someone's face that interests me in their story. And sometimes there's not a lot of story with the photograph. And sometimes mm -hmm. there's books, you know, you get someone like Sitting Bull, there's books and books and movies, et cetera. Right. But um, yeah, so it's just kind of a face that I want to do. And if there's a lot of information on it, I try to find it, you know, to kind of tell their story visually and then, you know, then kind of back it up with some historical information. Mm -hmm. Now, do you come up with your own subject line, your own story that you want to translate into a canvas and artwork? Yeah, in a way, I want to, you know, I want people to kind of see it in color and, 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 you know, it's still a painting and I want it to kind of have that, that visual resonance with people. And, and even if they don't know who they are, you know, there's still, there's people that are attracted to the paintings and they don't have any historical mm -hmm. context, you know, so it's kind of a story there and it's a kind of a story for them after the fact. So if they buy a painting and they love it, you know, so, you know, it's kind of like, you know, this is who this person is, you right. know, this is their information. So, yeah. So even before any historical context. It's got to be a good painting first. And so, yeah, so there's a story behind there. And it's just kind of kind of being true to that person. Mm -hmm. So when you do create uh, a piece uh, based on Native American culture and heritage, and particularly uh, yours, why do you think that is important to translate into a, uh, a canvas? I think... Um, like I said, I was talking to another artist and, there's artists, and there's just a truthfulness, you know, about telling the story and presenting it in a way and not kind of this cheesy kind of stereotypical or kind of sacred mm. medicine, man. You know, I've seen a lot of art like that lately <laughs> or, you know, they're not they're not kind of uh, like even if it's not my tribe, I, I really try to do my research and make sure that it's that it's true because I've seen paintings right. labeled as, you know, Blackfoot or Crow. And, you know, for a fact that they're not. And um, yeah. So it was done I by a white guy. That Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And not even white guy. There's some other Indian guys yeah, right. <laughs> kind of do that, and it's kind of like, oops, you know, let's let's read a book. And um, yeah, so it's just kind of that. I try to, like I said, be be truthful about it. And if it, even if it's just a, a portrait of someone we don't know a lot about, at least try to represent it in, 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 a, in a true way, or as true as I can get. Mm -hmm. So what is what is the process um, when you start creating? You know, if you don't have a pen and paper and you start painting and thinking, okay, I'm going to go with this direction or that direction. And you start translating that what's in your head. Do you ever step back and think, is this it? Or you start really going out and doing something completely different. Yeah. I, like I said, I don't have a big plan. I don't have like a color palette that I use. I just kind of grab and go. And, you know, sometimes I change it a lot of times, right. You know, I'm painting at night and, and I'll, um, I'll just uh, leave for the night, come back in the next morning and look at it and go, oops, no, that color's not working and kind of change it. So let me grab a canvas real quick and I'll kind of show you the, sure. the first yeah. steps, just how I work. So this is kind of step one. Mm -hmm. So I paint on a black surface. And I paint, I kind of paint the light, you know, so I'm painting around the shadows. And so this is kind of, um, yeah, like the sketch. And then some, then I'll go in with charcoal and kind of adjust the eyes or make an adjustment here with the charcoal. And then uh, let's see if I've got a step two piece here. So this is kind of. Um, this is great. It's like live show and tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is kind of step two. Uh -huh. And so it's just kind of like marking it and then kind of going in and kind of sharpening, sharpening the image. And then, uh, a lot of depth. And I don't really have a finished piece here. <laughs> I guess you can go to the website and see the fin how they look in the end. And so yeah. usually when I finish them, I've kind of has one piece over here. That's, um, this Eagle. Fantastic. So that's kind of how they look. So you're not seeing like all the negative and the black underpainting and mm -hmm. stuff like that. That's just kind of the, that's basically the gesso or the primer that I use. And then they come out like that in the end. So that's kind of the process, you know, I mean, I just, um, I sketch on there and, 
I got asked by this. Uh, I think there's a library back east that has like artist notebooks. And they had sent me a request to send in like a um, an artist's like sketch pad. And I was like, well, I don't I don't really do <laughs> sketch pads. And they were kind of like, what? You know, and I was like, I never did. You know, even in college, I got in <laughs> trouble kind of one time in advanced painting for not really having one. I used to fake them when I was in college because you always had to do them in um, in college classes. You know, I had to keep right. a sketchbook. And, but I would wait till like a couple nights before they were due and I'd get about 10 or you know, 15 different pens and pencils and kind of sketch, re-sketch the drawing, the paintings that I had turned in and write little fake notes and spill coffee on it and stuff like that. Then I turn <laughs> it in and kind of get my 20 points. But that was about it. And I kind of got busted in advanced painting one year. And he just kind of laughed and said, you know, I know your process and you don't have to, you don't have to bullshit me. And, you know, I, I was like, well, do I still get my 20, 20 points? And so, um, yeah. So. so what is the Nakona Burgess voice then? When you started, when you create your craft, ah, uh, or what do you want just, the audience and and the 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 curator or the collector to hear when when they look at and buy your piece? To know that these are real people, you know that they have real stories. You know, I do contemporary people, and I do I do themes. Like I've got this archer, uh, this female archer um, series that I've been working on based on like um, Greek mythology, Atlanta, but I use native. Uh, imagery and, and uh, native models. And so that, that these are real people and they have real stories to tell. And even when I do animals, that there's kind of a story and a history and a connection behind it. So that there's that, you know, these, these mostly my portraits that, you know, um, like I said, if I don't have a name or something, at least I'll have a tribe or a region that these are, these are real stories to be told. And I want to kind of tell that visually without having to like write an essay for every painting that there's just something about it that kind of catches the viewer and um, and I feel like my colors uh, palette is really unique and um, and that. So, yeah, just that, that th these are real. These these are real. Do you take risk when you're creating? Do you really incorporate other mediums or? Uh, yeah, I use um, I use spray paint. And um, <laughs> pens, you know, I use paint pens, acrylic. So when I put acrylic on canvas, it really is because it's spray paint, acrylic, and pen. Right, acrylic. right. I use pens and stencils and tape and razors and and you know anything I can kind of get my mitts on. So yeah, I'm always I use everything, and so I'm always doing stuff. My son, who's 13, started kind of this uh, series of work on the that kind of the pressed. Uh, the pressed wood that looks like brick mm -hmm. and he's been doing mm -hmm. kind of these uh, graffiti pieces on there. So I've kind of stole some ideas from him and just using, you know, different ideas and things like that. And it's yeah, so affair. I just, I get in there and try anything. Right. Do you, do you incorporate other aspects? I mean, when you're creating, you're a painter, have you thought about going outside your comfort zone and doing basket weaving or pottery or any other? Oh, no. Uh, Anything yeah. three-dimensional, I'm terrible. <laughs> like when I was in college, I had to take a pottery class and that's where I met my wife and I absolutely sucked. If it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't have got a C in the class. You know, like I just, it just, it has no, I don't know what it is. You know, it has no appeal to me. And, you know, maybe that's why the architectural thing just didn't work out is because it just, I just don't, you know, I, I've kind of teased when I was, um, work and I, I always tease some of my sculptor friends, you know, mm -hmm. and I, and you know, people take it wrong, but knowing me, I'm, I'm kind of a, a jokester. And I said, I said, man, sculptures just, uh, should I trip over when I'm backing up to look at my painting, you know? And, it's kind <laughs> of like, and, <laughs> and so it's, I just, I don't have the talent for, you know, I've tried, I, I've taken a jewelry class and, and the only reason I tried these other things is because I had to, I had to take these classes, you know, cause they want to make you more versatile. And so, yeah, anything other on outside of a 2d surface on um I'd, I'd have an office job <laughs> <laughs> do you collaborate with other artists yes i haven't i've had yeah. in the past yeah yeah i've done some collaborations for different like fundraising projects and things like that and so um yeah that's always fun it's always kind of fun to kind of work with other people and see their process and kind of see an outcome so yeah do you do the uh Native American art circuit? Not not as much as I used to. I, I yeah. only do like, I do Indian market because you kind of have to, you know, it's like mm. the Super Bowl. And, and it, you right. know, when 150,000 people come to 
the venue and they're spending $140 million, you got to kind of be there. And plus, you know, I like it because it helps me cultivate new collectors and meet people person to person. But I do Indian market. I do winter Indian market. And there's a show called Native Treasures. I mostly do those because they're all here in Santa Fe. So I'm not having to get hotels. And, you know, so I haven't, right. I haven't really been on the circuit in a while. But I started out doing that. I did Red Earth and I did Idol Jorg and The Herd and, you know, and the Autry and all those shows, you know. So I, I had to do that in the beginning. But, you know, now I'm, I feel lucky and blessed that I don't have to do that so much. That's fantastic. Are you exhibiting anywhere right now? Yeah, I show um, I show here in Santa Fe at the Manitou Gallery, and I show in Scottsdale at the um, uh, Marshall Gallery. I show in uh, Fort Worth at the Adobe West Gallery, and then in Schoonover Gallery in a Steamboat Springs. And those are kind of the main ones. I have a few other small galleries here and there that they they kind of buy wholesale. And then I show in Bristol, England at the Rainmaker Gallery and Sydney, Australia, in the wow. Four Winds Gallery. And you're a ma- you're international man. Yeah, yeah, I get all over the place. That's so it's been, I've been lucky, so. Um, so yeah, so that that's it's been kind of nice to do that, so. Have you seen a, a change in the wind of how Native American art is viewed from the outside world? Since yeah, you are I think so. exhibiting I think- internationally? Yeah, I think we're starting to really flex our own voice. I think social media helps that. And I think just um, media in general helps that. I think, you know, people are finally asking us to do, you know, what do we think? What do we want? What do we see? You know, and then I feel like with Native art, we we cover all the bases. You know, we got people doing Star Wars stuff. We got people doing non-objective art. And, um, you know, it's really kind of getting a voice. I recently did a commission for the state of Oklahoma for the state capitol. And the three commissions that they did were all of native artists doing uh the portraits for the state you know so that was like mm-hmm. star hardridge that did wilma Mankiller, and then um the other art uh, um dylan cavin did the uh, choctaw code talkers you know and then i did doc tate nevacoya so and he's comanche and so yeah so i mean it's like wow after all this year they finally asked us and i think that that's it i think that you know plus i think whenever you're an outlet a gallery or a magazine or something like that, and you're just kind of spewing bullshit. I think that, you know, someone will see it and they can, mm-hmm. you know, if it's like my name, someone can like post it on your page and go, Oh, Hey, they're writing this about you. So I think it really helps that you can really monitor, you know, what's being said and what's being done out there. And you can't just kind of write anything about natives anymore because it, it'll kind of get back to them. Talk back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we want our voices heard. <laughs> oh Yeah. How do you think the educational component is um, helping provide a way for us to hear our, our voices being told, our stories being told, you know, since art is not really a, a program being offered in the educational system nationally, how do you think that's going to help the youth kind of gain that knowledge and actually pursue careers in the art world? Right. You know, I uh, I was in education for a long time. And I think that, you know, the education aspect is, you know, I both art ed. I feel like we really need to step up our game in art education to prepare, you know, kids, not just to be fine artists. It's always like when you're in art class, oh, I'm, I can't be a painter or a sculptor. But it's not about that. It's about you can be a shoe designer at Nike or you can design cars for Ford and you can design clothes and, and iPods and websites and you know, all this kind of things that, you know, that it takes an artist's brain to do. I always say that 95% of our brain of our life is art. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you put on your cool glasses and your cool shirt and your phone and, you you know, you go to the store. So we're just blasted by art, but we don't we don't see that. So I think I'm always a proponent of that aspect, but also a native, you know, I like out here. I work for Santa Fe Public Schools and I help them build a padlet of uh, materials, websites, um, people that they can go to where the teachers don't have to be afraid to teach it because they don't know. So I've kind of built this whole edu- educational padlet. It's like two clicks. You click on it and you find books, materials, websites, um, you know, people, I always call it my human Rolodex. You know, I've got a person at Arizona state that's a microbiologist. And so he taught a class uh, virtually for Santa Fe high school, like uh, microbiology from an indigenous perspective. And so it's just kind of getting, out there. Like I said, I know there are some states that are kind of shutting it down, but you don't have to shut it down at home. You know, if the state doesn't allow it, you can go online, you can get these books, you can order these books for your kids. And a lot of the books are inexpensive. 
And so, or, you know, they have, uh, libraries have loan programs. And so I know states like Florida and Oklahoma and Texas are kind of against that, but you can, you know, you can still teach that stuff at home and you can still talk, you know, talk to that. Cause my son out here, he goes to a, a Catholic school in New Mexico and, and, you know, they taught New Mexico history. And so when he comes home and says something about when they teach New Mexico history, me and him talk about, you know, when they talk about Comanches in New Mexico history, I'm kind of like, okay, this is, you know, this is what I'm going to teach you. So you don't have to just right. take it. And so right. I think that, you know, uh, the more people that are educating and the more people that are out there talking about it, you know, not just in the arts, but in general. And I think if a kid has an art mind, whenever they're learning all these other aspects of native culture, native history, it is, it's going to be applicable. True, true. Absolutely. And also, you know, since our elders are passing, a lot of that knowledge in history historically and about our heritage and our culture comes from our elders. And I think it's an important factor that the various tribal nations step it up a little bit, bit more and play more of an important role in providing that, that history and that knowledge to the youth. Yeah, I just I feel like you should just get elders in and record them. You know, because I did that in my grad school uh, when I was doing a project for, for graduate school. I did that. I just got a camera and I went to my Kiowa grandmother's house and just we just talked. You know, I had a few little questions, but I just let her talk, you know, talk about her boarding school experience because I was I was doing a research paper on boarding school and um, I just let her talk, you know, you know, and I said, there's mm -hmm. really no just let me know. And I can kind of pick and choose from it what I need. But it's just it's great, you know, and I. My son, you know, he knew her, but she was kind of, you know, her mental capacities weren't as great, you know, as when I shot that. And so we'll watch that. And then I have recordings of my Comanche grandfather, you know, from the 1980s. He used to record on these cassettes and he's telling stories and singing peyote songs. And, you know, and I and I right. transferred that digitally. So I have it on my iPod. And so sometimes when I'm painting in here, I can just turn up grandpa and, you know, jam out on some peyote songs and, <laughs> and listen to his stories. You know, so it's it's pretty cool. That's fantastic. Yeah, that, you know, you think about eight tracks and, you know, and it's an important factor because it, it is a story. It's part of our history about our culture and it's coming firsthand, not textbook and not second nature. So it's a very, very important factor to play a part. Do you uh, mentor youth in, in uh, art? I mean, like I said, I work for Santa Fe Public Schools in the um Native American student services. So I had a lot of art programs. Uh, we had after school programs with um, Native students. And I did some of the work, but I also brought in like local artists to kind of do, you know, like Navajo and Pueblo. Um, we've had Navajo poets, you know, work, you know, talking about poetry and adding their language into, you know, the English dialogue. And um, we've had kids make Pueblo rattles and things like that. And then I've, I've you know, I've taught classes and, um, you know, I think the, one of the last ones I did was birds. And we talked about what birds meant in their culture and what birds meant what. And so because all, all the kids were like, we want to paint birds. And I said, OK, well, we're going to paint birds. But, you know, how does this apply? You know, what does this bird mean to you and your tribe and this and that? And so so it was kind of fun. So even though they just wanted to paint birds, we kind of got a little we squeezed a little bit more out of them. So, yeah, I did that. And then I worked at uh, a college for about 16 years. I worked mostly in administration, but I taught some. You know, I talk mm -hmm. uh, painting and drawing color theory and uh, business of art. So, yeah, I do a lot of outreach because um, I'm an advocate and I'm always a, say you got to send the elevator back down. In some of your pieces, what were you most surprised about? One of the reactions that has been received? Uh, I always say, you know, it kind of sounds cheesy, but I always say you feel art as much as you see it. I mean, I've had people that got emotional, like they're just like, you know, I mean, there were times where it was of somebody, maybe, you know, I got a commission to paint a great grandfather or a great parent, you know, or, or something like that. Or, but, or sometimes people have gotten emotional just mm -hmm. from the painting, you know, and, and it wasn't always kind of these kind of hippy dippy people. It was just people that kind of like, there's something that in it that just moved them emotionally, you know, and, and it's, and I understand that, you know, I'm a big art collector. I have art all around the house. You know, my son always says, dad, mom, you guys don't have to have art in every corner of the house. We're kind of like, oh, yes, we do. You know, yeah, we do. So, <laughs> and, but he does. He has it in his, you know, on his side of the house. And so, um, yeah, I just think you feel it. You know, there's just something about the combination of 
the image and the color and the setting and you know because there's stuff there's pieces that i've bought you know like i don't even know anything about it you know really but i i just bought it because it just sits in my soul somehow and you know even to this day you know i have hundreds and hundreds of pieces of art you know some days i'll walk across something and i'll pull that thing off the wall and kind of sit with it a while and just kind of look at it in different angles of light so i i think i think it's that that you know it um there's an emotional i know they did a study they did brain scans of people looking at art and it really it reacts in the brain the same way love does it hits like the same part so i think i think that that's there it's an emotional thing i think in the reaction that's achieved now do you have an emotional attachment to some of your pieces that you can never let go no, not, not too bad. I've, you know, no? I've got a couple. Like I, I have um, a piece that I, when I kind of got back into art back in like um, 96, when I decided, okay, I'm going to give this a run. I've got a piece. It's a scratch dancer piece and it's back on my son's side of the house. I've kept that. And then I've got a few pieces that I've, I've kept from time to time. And there's stuff that my son, there's a painting that my son absolutely loves that he had to keep and it's by his bed. And then there's a few pieces that my wife has loved and we kept, you know, things like that. And then the one that I kept, it was in a movie called Hell or High Water. It made its screen debut, big screen debut. So I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to keep that. But not really. I mean, I just kind of send them out there and some of them come back. And, you know, I have some that I keep in, in my own personal collection. But and I don't know, I just think I just feel like it's better out there, you know, rather than just me having it in storage or. Right. Um, Defeats the purpose of being a a working artist. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Do you feel that um, you've hit or artists need to hit a certain level saying, okay, I've made it as a working artist or is a starving artist still a thing? Yeah. No, I just think you do what you want. I mean, I, I know artists that are just badass MFers and they're there. They paint. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, you should just be in this. But they don't. It's not in their need or DNA it's not in or, their. Yeah. Yeah. They just want to do it, you know, and they're like, you know, then I see artists that I kind of think, wow, how did how did you, you know, get here with, with that? You know, not to be an asshole, <laughs> but, you know, not every not everything's like, you know, but it, it is what it is. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you don't have to be great you know, drawer or great this to be a successful artist you just got to want to do it and you got to get out there and do it and present it you know and it, it's there it's it's a tough road artist life isn't easy but um but yeah did you, I mean, set you a, don't have to be the most talented huh did you set a goal for yourself when you said i'm gonna be an artist full-time um not really i mean i i kind of retired from education last june and everyone's like, oh, you're a full-time artist now. I'm like, no, I've always been a full-time artist. I've just always worked full-time too, you know. So instead of putting in 80 hours a week, I'm only putting in, you know, 50. And so, um, you know, so it's just something I've always done. And, you know, even my wife kind of jokes that she kind of gets jealous of my dedication, that I can just get up and come in here. You know, there's no, uh, you know. And I've trained myself over the years as a professional that, you know, I got to get in and get to work. You know, some days it's it's rainbows and flowers and I'm jamming and, and, and it's just flowing. <laughs> then other days it's work. You know, some days it's like, oh, my God. But I still I still get in here and I still right. get to work, you know, because um, there's a great, great quote by Chuck Close. It says amateurs wait for inspiration. The rest of us go to work, you know, and, and it's true. And that's what you yeah. got to do. You got to get in and work. I mean, there's times where I've had busy weeks at the office, at the school, but I've got a show coming up. So I've got to come home, you know, eat some dinner and tell the crew, Hey, I'll be in the studio if you want me. And my studio has always been at the house. And so I think, I think, I don't think that there is, you know, I know some people want to be superstar artists and, you know, drive big cars and be all this, but I think I just, I just always work, you know, I just, I like it. You know, I I love, I like selling, making money, you know, because it means I can continue to do it. And, um, and the, the more successful I feel, as an artist, maybe commercialist, the less compromise I have to do. So I can kind of, you know, do what I want and make my schedule. And so I think that that's it. But I I just think everyone has their own idea or their own, I don't know what would be a metric of what they want success to be. And, you know, some of people just want to do a show. I know friends that work and 
you know, they like to come to Indian market and have a good Indian market. And, you know, maybe if they've made enough to pay for the trip and maybe win a ribbon right. and that that's fine for them. You know, it may not be for me or other people or, you know, and maybe they'll want more down the road. But, I, you know, it's it's whatever you want. It's just like anything. Right. True. True. As long as you're happy and you have the passion and drive to continue to do it, you know, that's what's an important factor. Is there a certain piece that you've completed that is your baby that you can say, I've hit that mark and this is the, the item that I'm most proud of to date? Yeah, I think that I think the uh, the painting in the state capital of Doc Tate Nebicoya was because I did a lecture at Cal State San Marcos and I had a student ask me what was the most important and what was the hardest painting that I've ever done. And I just have to mm-hmm. say that one because um, him and my grandfather were friends. And so we grew up around the family, you know, and I, I'm really close with the Nebicoya family. And when that commission came to me, you know, I was like, okay, this, you know, this has to be like spot on because his children are like my age and they're right. still alive. So I can't, I can't miss, you know, some of You're these be portraits judged. I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, you know, some of these portraits you do, people have never seen the photograph before or very few people right. know, or it's from a hundred years ago. So you can kind you of, know, so it. it was kind of like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it was like, man, I got to And so as I was painting it, you know, I would send different uh levels of the painting to my dad and say okay you know my you know and he'd say yeah watch this watch that you know and so and so when i finished it you know the reaction of the family the nevicoya family they loved it you know and even my dad was like yeah man that's that's just spot on and you know and even the the state oklahoma arts uh council or commission asked you know i know how i paint but they want a little bit more um traditional you know kind of like more realist and not so graphic how I paint, you know, and I was like, I can do whatever you want. And so, yeah, so it kind of had to be more a traditional style of an, like an uh, oil painting, you know, and it couldn't kind of be uh, too, you know, graphic looking. And so, so yeah, so I really had to really, you know, watch this one and kind of baby it and the fact that it's there and, and, you know, and I like it and it's my baby because I know when I'm dusting bones, you know, I'm going to have grandchildren and possibly great grandchildren checking it out going, Hey, that's my, you know? And, um, so that's, yeah, that one, that one is it. That's the, you know, that's the big one. Do you think you'll have another one? I don't know if they ask me, I, I would, yeah. but you know, something like that, something like that, that's just going to be kind of for the whole world to see, you know, I have stuff in the Smithsonian and I have stuff in, you know, I've, I got a piece in the uh, Nelson Mandela uh, museum in South Africa really? and I was down there, you know, and those are cool, you know, but, but like this one, is home. He's a fellow Comanche. You know, it's people I know, someone I grew up with. And I, I don't know if anything will top that, you know? I mean, maybe if they ask, someone asked me to do a Quanta Parker painting for like the state capital of Texas or Oklahoma or something like that, it would, you know, it kind of be up there. But this was, I think this was kind of a good, you know, not that I've peaked, <laughs> but, but this was, you know, this is, this was a big deal. What do you feel is the emphasis on an artist's life? The emphasis? Yeah. If someone came to you, a youth or someone say, I want to be an artist. Why should I be an artist full time? What makes it something that you want to strive for? Yeah. What story do you have to tell? You know, what's your story that you want to tell the world? You know, and it doesn't have to be nothing fancy. It does, you know, like mine is kind of historical accuracy and historical stories that these people a lot of the people that I'm painting are from like 1890 to 1950. So it was kind of this transitional period for us, you know, we're, mm-hmm. you know, stop being free and, you know, uh, in charge of our own destinies. And now we're, you know, and so mine is about, you know, the endurance, the survival, the strength, but it could just be, you know, I have friends that paint star Wars, you know, how star Wars, you know, they really feel like star Wars relates to their culture and that star Wars has stolen so much from native culture that they can kind of reintroduce it into their art, you know, so there's that, you know, or I have other artists that do comics, you know, they do, you know, they, they use their indigenous identity to do comic books. And then there's other artists that just do, you know, maybe non-objective, you know, that kind of looks native, you know, so it's just kind of what story do you have to tell? And it may change, you know, it may change over time, but you just, it's just kind of the story you want to relate and it doesn't have to be anything serious or, 
you know, philosophical and stuff. It could just be kind of what do you, what do you have to say? And how are you going to say it visually? Are you going to say it with steel and iron? Are you going to do it in comic books or children's books? You know, are you going to do it? You know, that, what's you know? So that's kind of the trick is like figuring out what story you have to tell. So your story when you started, what made you gear in the in the medium of paint versus clay or basket weaving or jewelry? Yeah, like I said, I sucked at all that, you know, even in school when we had to do macrame <laughs> and stuff. It wasn't my, you know, but I could always draw, you know, right. even in school, you know, I was, I was drawing, drawing friends and drawing friends' cars and drawing friends in their football uniforms and, you know, uh, drawing girlfriends, you know, and stuff like that. And so it was just kind of, I could always draw, you know, I always could do the 2D thing. And then it just kind of translated, you know, my dad. Uh, and mom got me some paints, you know, when I was a little bit older and come out early teens, you know, and I'm, I'm painting Woody Crumbo and I'm painting, you know, TC Cannon and Rant mm-hmm. Hood knockoffs, you know, when I'm like 13, 14, 15. And it just kind of evolved, you know, when I got uh, older, you know, I start looking at stuff like TC Cannon, you know, um, not that I didn't like the the plain style, but I just, you know, I start right. kind of looking more and more and more. And so it, it kind of evolved from there. And then I start looking at who TC Cannon was looking at and then start, you know, and so I start kind of, um, but it was just painting. Like I said, I just, I love painting. You know, I've, I've done some um, printing before, you know, I like printing, but I don't really have the space or the time to kind of do screens and lithographs right. and all that stuff right now. And, but I just love painting, you know I mean? I've been doing it. I've been a professional for 28 years and I can just get up. I like the smell, you know, I like the, you know, all that <laughs> kind of fun stuff and just, um, yeah. Do you come from a family of artists? Did any of your family members create? Not with her? not so much on a professional level. My brother Quana is an artist, you know, and, and he does uh, art and does shows. And he just did a mural in Quana, Texas, of Quana Parker. So we, me and my son were kind of. My son goes, "Oh wow, Uncle Quana in Quana painting in Quana," you know. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, my brother is an artist, and uh, my dad is a badass artist. But like I said, he. He kind of went to the administrative side. You know, he was tribal chairman for the Comanche. He founded the Comanche Nation College. He was a dean at a university and, you know, a principal and stuff like that. But of me and my dad and my brother, our, our dad is the best, the best one. <laughs> you know? And um, and so, in fact, we I found this painting right here. We found mm-hmm. this in Chickasha at an antique store. And uh, one time and I asked my dad, you know, that was one of his paintings and he did in the really? 80s. And so, yeah. So my you wife, just, you, just came, actually, you just came across it. Yeah. My wife did, you know, she goes, Hey, oh, wow. gorgeous. and I was like, Hey, that's one of my dad's paintings from like the eighties, you know? And, and so we bought it and we, we, we were telling him, he goes, how much did you spend on it? We told him, go shit, you could have just gave that to me. I would have painted it again. <laughs> <laughs> painted you a new one. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So just kind of being around him, you know, he got his first degree in art at central Oklahoma and he actually went to uh, college with TC Cannon for a while. And uh, but my dad's always just been around art. He's always been a good eye, you know, for critiquing and talking. And then my mom's dad uh, was, a you know, kind of an amateur painter. He always had little paintings and stuff around his house and, you know, did that. And then my grandmother, my mom's mom was a quilt maker. Uh, My dad's grandmother um, who raised him, she was a bead worker and she was blind. So she would she would know colors of beads by the pill bottles. So like this tall, skinny one was red, this little one. And so she would put it in like one of those uh, cafeteria trays. Uh And so she knew what each color. So she could visualize it in her brain. And then she's the one that kind of started putting those little metal studs in the middle of medallions. So it centered it for her. And then she would Mm -hmm. beat around it. And so now you see those all the time. But she's the one that started that because she was blind. And she that would be kind of her center. And then so she did beadwork. So I have some of her beadwork. Uh, that she did. And um, yeah, so it's just kind of been around, you know, and then just having family and friends and um, being around artists like Doc Tate and Rance Hood and just kind of seeing it. So, you know, so it wasn't foreign. It didn't just kind of just mm-hmm. pop out of the sky in my brain. It's, it's been around. It's in your DNA. It came naturally. Yeah. So what's next for Nokona Burgess? Uh, getting on that damn easel, man, and getting back to work. You know, I got, <laughs> I got some, I had a big show in Scottsdale last week and, um, I got a couple commissions from the show. You know, I was kind of jokes like, really, there's nothing on the wall that I brought that you just want to buy. 
<laughs> it's like, oh, well, we like this, but we want it bigger or redder or this and that. You know, and I don't have a problem with commissions. They're fun. So I've got a couple commissions that are up. I've got a uh, a couple of shows. I've got Native Treasures coming up in uh, in May here in Santa Fe. And then just kind of gearing up. Like I, I always have to kind of uh, keep the gallery stock. So art season is around the corner in Santa Fe. So I've got to get some big pieces in at Manitou Gallery here. You know, there, uh, a couple months ago, they're like, we're out of big pieces. We need more of these sizes. You know, so yeah. So you got to kind of feel their demand and they're the ones taking care of you. So um, yeah, so just kind of gearing up and then uh, always uh, with Indian Market in Santa Fe, like I said, that's that's the big Super Bowl. So I've got to always kind of be ready for that. So, but I, I always just paint, you know, I paint and stack. I always kind of tell young artists that you've got to get in that habit of doing that. Just paint, stack, whether there's something out there, you know, I just have, whenever I paint them, I wrap them and put them in storage. And, you know, when the gallery wants to look at some pieces or, or collectors, you know, I have, you know, I can pull them out. I try to keep my uh, website updated as much as possible. But um, yeah, so that's what I do. I said, it's always like chopping wood in June, you know, but February is coming. So you got to be ready. That's, right, that's, right. that's kind of my, um, that's kind of my philosophy when I paint. Is there anything else? Is there anything that you want to achieve? Say, okay, I've done this for 28 years now. What do I want to do next? What do I want to achieve? Uh, I just want to keep doing it. You know, I yeah. just want to keep painting and, you know, I want to be, 85 years old at the easel or 90 years old at the easel, just still rocking, you know, and, and um, just to be able to do it. And I think that, you know, like I said, I think the commercial success and paying the bills allows me to keep doing it. You know what I mean? Whereas if it falls off, it's like, man, I'm going to have to go clock back in, you know, and not that I didn't like work and I love working in education. And I, you know, my parents did that. Um, and, you know, I enjoyed that. And it's nice to kind of have health care and, retirement and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and I, I'm kind of a madman when it paints, when I paint, I paint pretty quickly. Uh, I'm one of those kind of psycho people that can go to bed at two o'clock in the morning every day and wake up at seven and kind of do it again. So good five hours. So I'm just like that. And, um, but I think, like I said, success just to kind of keep doing it, you know, finding new venues. Like I just signed on in Tokyo. So I'm kind of like, okay, what's, you know, what is Tokyo? What does Japan want? You know, what do they want to see? And so it's kind of early on in that stage. And um, so, yeah, just just that, you know, more opportunities to travel and meet different people and, you know, take the art. I do a lot of lectures with shows. So I always kind of talk about what I'm painting and why I'm painting it and, you know, why right. images are cool and, you know, what makes me want to paint them. And so um, just that, just more venues. And, and it's, it's educating. It's teaching. You know, I've, I've been to places. Uh, where I do these lectures and, and people have no clue. Like I I just did this series called the American Indian Cowboy and people don't know anything about it. You know, it's all these uh, cowboy Indians from the 1890s to the 1950s and they got braids and cowboy hats. So it's kind of this mesh between the old style of clothing to the new. So they got cool cowboy hats with eagle feathers in them, but they still have braids and beaded, you know, cuffs mm-hmm. and they're wearing cowboy boots and, you know, they and then earrings and, you know, so they they look badass. You know, but people don't know what it is, you know, and I'm not right. just making this stuff up. You know, these are real, real things. So kind of educating people and, and looking at different. I say down the road is just looking at different things, you know, um, um, that people don't know instead of just kind of the cliche, you know, the stuff that people see all the time, war bonnets and horses and stuff. So this American Indian Cowboy series has been very successful because people kind of relate, you know, and it's not as political and in your face as some right. other images I do, you know, so it's kind of an easier pill to swallow, you know, than, than, you know, dealing with some of the images from, you know, these photo shoots or the vanishing race type stuff. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Since you do um, have your pieces internationally and other places, what do you think is some of the response that you were surprised by, um, be it Great Britain or South Africa or even Japan? about Native American artistry in your craft? Is the perception still there? Yeah. Do you think the the perception is still there that when they think of American, Native American, they think, you know, we all live in teepees and uh, we're... No, actually, it's been a great surprise. Yeah. They're more knowledgeable than Americans are. Oh, wow. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Like, especially your, you know, everywhere I've gone, I mean, like, it's like, 
you know, they read once in a while and they, you know, so they understand that. So when I've done lectures there, yeah, there's an understanding that, you know, we're, we're modern people and, you know, we have these things because I've uh, been asked, you know, intelligent questions like, you know, the college education and, you know, what are some of the businesses and how successful are tribes? And, and, you know, we talked about alcoholism and diabetes and things like that, you know, and so um, I always tell them that Native Americans are 20% less alcoholic than Native uh, than Americans in general, you know, so that's always like, you know, so kind of throw out that <laughs> stereotype. And, um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, they're very knowledgeable. They, you know, they understand that, you know, this is historical stuff and, you know, we're not mm -hmm. still running around hunting buffalo. Well, we might, you know, if there's a chance, but, um, but yeah, I, I'm just surprised that they're a lot more knowledgeable than places I've been in the United States that kind of have that old perception, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's been nice, you know, and I feel like when, when they have that, that I can talk to them on this level, you know, I can talk to them about, you know, they understand what these images are from and what, what I'm doing. And then also like uh, and contemporary aspects and things like that. So, yeah. So it's been a pleasant surprise, no matter where I go about, um, about who we are as people now. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. I mean, especially on the international scale to be known and teaching and, and there's a, learning curve i guess sometimes when you talk about native american artistry and it's like is the perception there or is the perception going to be blown out of proportion <clears throat> do you feel that um being um displayed in on an international scale that has helped elevate and the native american being more recognized as a, a true art form Yes, I think I think so, because especially in the gallery in um, England, she's um, she's really smart and she's really knowledgeable about things. And she started out as uh, selling art from Canada. And so she tries to avoid and stay away from kind of the typical thing. You know, she does a lot of uh, kind of atypical stuff you would see in art, Indian mm -hmm. art gallery, you know, so some contemporary painting and prints and jewelry and things that aren't just, you know, it's not all squash blossoms and, you know, um, things like that. So it, it, it's really, um, she's really teaching her clients and showing all these different works, you know, from basketry to, to you know, pots and, and contemporary things. And so she just kind of has this vast array of stuff and trying to avoid kind of the typical things that you would see. Because when I did my show there about five years ago, it was the first time that she had done planes. You know, because she was just trying to stay away from it because, you know, everybody wants to see the war bonnets and the horses right. and this and that. And so she really it took for a while for her to do that. And then so we finally had my show there. And it was, um, you know, some of that stuff, not not too much of that, but it was, you know, it was portraits of mostly Plains Indians. And, you know, and it was very su successful. It was one of her only sell sellouts. Oh, wow. Hand. You know, hey. let's do it again. So um, <laughs> but I understand, you know, I understand, you know, that's popular with everybody. but. But yeah, you know, I, I think these and then the the lady in, uh, from Tokyo, you know, she started out as jewelry and she's moving into the arts and she and she wants it to kind of be uh, genuine and, and like a real the real deal and not kind of this, you know, because you can kind of get away with it, you know, if you're not here and people mm -hmm. aren't that knowledgeable. But, you know, they're both kind of honest and true and want to represent and, and do right by it. And so, um, yeah, I think it does help, you know, when you're out there talking, because, you know, like I said, it's just kind of dropping that pebble in the pond and whoever talks about it, you know. So if they're having coffee with a few of their friends next week, and they go, oh, wow, we were at this lecture by this guy and this is his art. And he said this, this and this, you know, so I, I think it does. I think it is impactful and it does help. Yeah, it does help a lot. Well, Nakona, um, anything you want to add and share with us? Uh, I just. You know, I'm kind of my wife calls me the anti artist because I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty tidy, you know, and I, I show up on time and I produce and I you know, but it's just kind of a professional thing. So let me let me give you guys a swirl around the studio here sure. real quick. So yeah. So this is There's no paint. So this is kind of the, the working. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So yeah, there's a new piece I bought. This guy is Dukon Harris, he's Comanche. So I bought that from him. He lives in New York. So yeah, there's a Donald Trump drawing my son did of him flushing <laughs> documents down the toilet. So yeah, so uh, <laughs> so yeah, there's the work table, you know. And then I have like this big, uh, I have this big cabinet, this work cabinet where I have all my, you know, 
So, yeah. Your creative so, tools. Yeah, yeah. And so this is kind of the clean workspace. I have another space over on this other side of this wall that is um, for varnishing and gessoing and cutting wood. And, you know, so it keeps all that kind of stuff out from like the, the part where I need to paint and kind mm -hmm. of keep it clean. And so that's where all the power tools and all, all the fun stuff is over there. And so, um, do you create, I don't know, own, you know, I, huh? Do you make your own canvases or do you buy them? No, no. I, <laughs> I have a story like I, I know how to, and I do it occasionally. Like, um, you know, cause sometimes if you get the art supply store to do it, it can be outrageous. So I've got a couple commissions that are five by five and I I'll make them, you know, myself if, it, if they're really huge, you know, or if they're an odd shape. Because sometimes mm -hmm. people want want it to fit a certain spot, you know. I I can, but I prefer not to. I had when I was working at the college, I had a canvas making workshop, and I had a Japanese student there. And you know, I was teaching them how to make it. And then a couple of weeks down the road, I brought him over to my studio for a tour, and he's really upset because he's seen all these stacks and stacks of commercial canvases that I had, you know. And he's like, "You don't, uh, you know." <laughs> he's like, "You don't." make your own cow. I said, Oh no. I said, Hey, I said, that class was for you guys. Cause you guys are, broke. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I said, I, I said, the time it takes me to stretch a canvas, you know, I can paint a $3,000 painting. I said, so, you know, no way, you know, that where's the, yeah. That. Where's it worth so, the money? <laughs> yeah. It's, I said, it's economics, you know? And so, uh, yeah. And so, um, so that's kind of how that goes about, but yeah, every once in a while I do. So I still keep that skill set. So. Well, I appreciate your time today, Nakona. It's been a pure pleasure, and thank you for joining our show. Um, I give most everyone just the opportunity to sell themselves and sell your goods and let us know where we can find you, and our audience can uh, – I know you have a website, which we'll uh, post once we launch the show, um, but is there anything else you want to add for today? No, nah, just I always just tell people, you know, be mindful of each other, take care of each other, be good you know, help each other out. Um, you know, the tide lifts all boats and just, uh, you know, I'm not too philosophical, but those are a few things I like to throw out, you know, just to be mindful, you know, right. of each other, be mindful of things and learn, you know, be willing to learn. And, uh, I always tell people I'm woke like Sesame street, man. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, I pr thoroughly appreciate. Thank you so much, Nakona. And we will talk to you soon. Been a all pleasure. right. You guys have a good one. You too. 